Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast, the only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hey, and welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today, it is birth story time again, and we are talking with a seasoned Doing It at Home mama, Yvette, Taya, from back in episode 81. And it's crazy to think about that episode 81 was almost 100 episodes ago, and here we are. So if you are a longtime listener or you remember Taya's story, go back and check it out, episode 81, to hear about the birth of her first daughter, Harley, because this story is about the birth of her second daughter, Laurel. And Taya is really open and honest in a beautiful way about the mixed emotions and feelings that came with being pregnant again. So she got pregnant a year after having her first daughter, and it was at a time where they she and her husband, Alex, weren't really sure if they wanted to have more kids. So do we, don't we? And then in the midst of that, getting pregnant and feeling a mix of things and a lot of that being guilt, guilt around maybe having a baby too soon about how the relationship would shift with her first daughter, all of that stuff. And she's really open and honest about her process and her coping with that and how sometimes getting pregnant isn't just all sunshines and rainbows and it's not something you're shouting from the rooftop excited about, you know, there's stuff that comes with it. And a lot of that guilt she attributes to when she got sick a few times during pregnancy, actually towards the end of the experience, she was having a really rough time getting through it and healing through that. And it was dragging out because of all of that stress that she was wearing on and some of that anxiety and guilt. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, nutrition or, you know, how much you exercise. It's how are you feeling? How are you relating to the experience? And so we talk about that and we talk about the planning, the beautiful, amazing birth itself and then some postpartum stuff and how that's different second time around. And I do want to mention one of the tools, one of the support systems and mechanisms that Taya acknowledges as part of what's um, helped her in getting back to herself and establishing balance and sense of wellness has been coaching with me. So she's been doing one-on-one coaching with me, balanced lifestyle coaching. And if you feel like this is something that could support you or you have more questions about it, you want to chat with me, I'm so open and available and willing to do that. So please reach out to me specifically. You can go to my website, sarahbivens.com. I'll include a link in the show notes and you can learn more about that because I am of the firm belief that if mamas are well taken care of and feel balanced and supported, then we all win. And so what my coaching is, is one-on-one getting you in touch with your own unique sense of balance and giving you the tools, the support, the accountability to experience that. So just had to throw that in there because it's been really beautiful to watch Taya in the process and how it supported her and where she's at now. So if you have questions about it from me or Taya, you could ask Taya about it as well. Be happy to get you in contact with her. So without any further ado, the birth story of baby Laurel from Taya, here it is. As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Taya. Welcome back to the Doing It at Home podcast. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, we're super excited that you are back and we get to hear another beautiful birth story. And so thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to share it. Yeah, we were just chatting before we officially hit record here and uh your first episode, which was number 81, which we'll definitely include links to in this episode's notes so that people can go re-listen to or listen to for the first time if they haven't caught it yet. And this episode now that we're talking in will probably be around 180, give or take a few. So 100 episodes in between our first time talking and now, which is pretty crazy. That's crazy. Time <laughs> flew by. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a lot has happened for you in that time span, huh? Yes, a lot has happened. Two babies in in under two years. It's a lot. <laughs> that Good, is such a, a like. I have so much respect for that club. You know that honored like VIP group of moms who have that. You know, as one of their their stats. You know, it'd be like your your playing card of motherhood. It would have that written there. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Seriously. It's you leave poopy diaper. Oh, you also have a poopy diaper? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Things I commonly say in my day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, my story right now. <laughs> well, fill us in a little bit then on some of the timeline from when, you know, this pregnancy and just, you know, anything and everything about uh, moving into this experience. Okay. Um anything in particular I should start with or just well maybe how about when you found out you were pregnant and what was going on there and maybe some of the things you were processing and then also thinking about moving toward another birth um and what what you were envisioning for that okay so um when I got pregnant um I got pregnant right when Harley turned one which Mm. was um last August so Um, she had turned one and Alex and I, we, we had said, I think we're good with one kid, um, because it was a lot, as you guys know, it's just a lot being a parent and we wanted to make sure that we could give ourselves fully to our child and just where we were in life. We just felt like we had just a lot going on with work and we wanted to make sure that we could give our full attention to Harley and we felt like she needed it at that point. Um, and around her first birthday, we had like a week's worth of time where we thought, okay, maybe we could have another kid. And that's, that's right. When I got pregnant, um, we just got pregnant right away. And then that week passed and we were standing in our kitchen one night and we were like, okay, this today was really hard. Like, I think it's not time for another kid. And I think that we just want to 
just have one. And so we were ready to start planning. I think I told you, Sarah, like we're ready to start planning a family vacation. Like of three, we're like ready with our family of three. Mm. Then that next week, I found out that I was pregnant. Um, and so that was really hard for me um, because we had decided that we weren't going to have another child. And part of the reason that was really hard is because I felt the guilt that comes with like motherhood sometimes. And I didn't want to feel that way about a baby that was inside of me. Yeah. I just felt really guilty about that. Um, and so I, I struggled with that throughout my pregnancy. Um, and then along with that, I struggled with trying to focus on something else while also trying to focus on raising Harley. And I felt like she didn't have a good level of understanding at that point. Um, I just felt like she was too young and that she really needed me. She was just at a point in her life and she was starting to approach a point in her life where she was bridging the gap between independence, but still needing me. And so I kind of carried that guilt with me throughout my pregnancy and I wish that I didn't, but I did have some really great support from, um, my midwives and then Mm. my husband, of course, um, and, and my family, but it was still there. And it was something that I had to kind of work with constantly because it never truly went away. And even after Laura was born, I still felt it a little bit. Um, but I, I tried to work on it the best that I could. Um, so in terms of like how my pregnancy went mentally, it was, it was pretty challenging. Um, Luckily, physically, it was, it was great. Um, just like my pregnancy with Harley, everything was good. I was healthy. Um, I wasn't exercising as much just because I had Harley and, I just felt like I didn't have as much time. Um, But other than that, there was nothing um, that came up medically during the pregnancy. Mm. Wow. You know, I don't think we've talked a whole lot about the element of guilt and processing that through a pregnancy. You know, it's very easy to just go to some of the things you might expect you might be dealing with, whether it's, you know, physical changes in your body or maybe some aches, pains, things here, maybe even some medical conditions that might pop up um, or, you know, busy work environment and, you know, marriage, all that. But to be also processing a very real and present element of conflict within yourself over moving into this next new phase, uh, being present with what is. I think a lot of moms are experiencing that, and yet I don't hear it talked about a whole lot. Yeah, and I don't, I, I agree. I don't hear it talked about a whole lot either. And it was one of the things that was challenging about it is that when I would tell someone that I was pregnant or they would notice that I was pregnant, the first thing they would say is that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. And so it is. And I was like, my, my brain was challenged in that moment because I was like, this is exciting. Exciting is what I'm supposed to be feeling right now. And why am I feeling this other way? And I wasn't going to just come out and say all of that to just anybody So a lot of the time I was kind of holding my tongue like, yeah, it is really exciting. And 
I just wasn't really feeling super excited about it. Um, so yeah, um, I, I just met a mom this morning who actually also said her, her third was kind of a surprise. They were toying with having a third, but she felt some of that guilt throughout her pregnancy because she wasn't a hundred percent sure she wanted to have another baby, but you don't want your baby growing up, you know, thinking that they, they weren't wanted because that's not, that's, it's not true. Like everybody, you love your babies. Um, it's just parenthood is such a real, a real thing. And I think the biggest thing is like, I want to make sure that I provide the best life possible for any baby I bring to this earth. And so I want to make sure that I'm physically, mentally, and emotionally prepared. Not that parents don't go through rough patches because certainly we all know that parenting is hard, but I want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can so that my baby has, um, you know, the best set of parents behind them to cheer them on as they grow up in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would imagine with what you were talking about, the, the emotions and like, you know, someone saying it's so exciting and then you're like, yes, it is. And there's also all other elements yeah. to it. I imagine, and I want this to be for those moms listening who are experiencing this themselves. I imagine there's a combination of allowing that feeling to pop up and, and owning it and, and giving yourself the permission to feel it first of all. Cause when we try to suppress, that's when even more stuff can come up. Yeah. So allowing yourself and mm -hmm. being like, it's okay to feel this way. And then there's also moving through it. Like you said, you know, um, yeah. you know, healing through that. So can you share if you can remember any aspects, uh, that did help you move through it? Yes. Um, definitely. That's, that's a really great point. Um, I think it took me, it took me a while to find that thing that helped me, but it, maybe it wasn't one thing. I think the first thing was just like being open with the people that I was really close with. Um, and then part of that was taking time that I needed off of work to just do the things that I needed to do for myself. So I know not everyone has that ability, but I was able to, so I bumped down my hours for work and I just rested. Like I laid on the couch and watched TV while Harley was at daycare some days because I needed that. Um, the other thing that happened during my pregnancy is Harley, she's just nearing her, um, the completion of her first year of daycare. And so as we we're talking about before we started, all the sicknesses yeah. as you're getting used to the germs of daycare are just like inundating. And so Harley was getting sick and a lot of times she would just pop right back. She would be down for a day and then she was back and she was fine, but she would give me her colds. And so the combination of pregnancy and then emotionally how I was feeling, I would take on that cold or whatever sickness it was. And I was just down and I, I, I dealt with one cold that lasted for like a month and then I was fine for like a week and then I was sick for another month mm. and that was during pregnancy. So I took some time off of work where I worked maybe like 10 or 15 hours that week and I would just rest because I needed it. Um, and then the other thing I did is I sat down with my husband um, multiple times and 
told him, this is why I feel guilty laying on the couch and not working. Like I got really, really deep into my emotions and just like laid everything out for him so that everything was on the table because it's really easy for me to just be upset and just say, you know, I'm upset because of X, Y, Z, but I really, really gave him like the full story of what was going on with me so that he really understood. And because of that, I feel like we were able to work through, um, a lot of what I was going through. And sure enough, when I started sharing things with people, I I started to get better in terms of my cold and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I reached out for help. Like um, after Laurel was born, I started your coaching program, Sarah, and that's made such a great impact on my life. And I started, I just started to feel brighter and happier. And, um, I just started to do things that I knew, um, would help me like plan activities for us to get us out of the house and stuff like that. So just kind of little things along the way. Mm. That's awesome. Those are all very clear. And I think those are things that can give like a tangible aspect to what can sometimes feel very convoluted and very murky as far as the emotionality and the feelings, but then having clear things to move into and forward with can make all the difference. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. You mentioned your support system, uh, and I'm sure that consisted of your care providers like your midwives. I'm curious, were you using the same midwives that you worked with for Harley's birth? I wasn't. Um, I, I did, I actually started off using them and because we moved last year, um, the location of my midwives was not super far, but they were about 35 minutes from our new house. And so I, I wanted to use them again because I loved them, but I was also interested in looking at some other midwives. So my very first appointment, I used my old midwives. And then when I realized how difficult it would be to be trying to get Harley in the car and with all the nap schedules and everything, um, I just decided that I would try to look around. So I found a midwife that I had heard about um, and I asked her if we could do have like a meeting so that I could meet her and just decide if it would be a good fit for me. Cause I wasn't sure how insurance was going to work and all of that. Um, and when I called her, she said she does all home visits and then home birth. So I was choosing home birth again. Um, but my other midwives were, um, nurse practitioners and midwives who do home birth. Mm. This midwife, my my midwife, um, she is a CPM, but she's not a nurse or a nurse practitioner. Um, but when she said she came over to the house for all the appointments and for the birth, it right off the bat sounded amazing because yeah. it just <laughs> totally. helps. You know, it just helps. No travel. She comes right to you. All you have to do is be at home, and I'm at home all the time. Anyway, so... I was like, that's awesome. So even for the meeting, she's like, how about I come over to your house? And it just sounded so like comfy already. And that's kind of a weird word to describe it, but I was just like, that sounds like awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So she came over for our meeting and I just knew right away. Mm. She was so comforting, so warm just for our initial meet and greet. Like 
no fee that she charges there. She just comes over to meet me and she's over at my house for like two hours Mm -hmm. chatting with me. I was like, this is the kind of person I want to provide my um, pregnancy care and birth because I just, I felt like she was a part of my family already. And um, I think I had Harley when she came over and Harley was bopping around all over the place. She had just turned one a few months prior. She's bopping around. She had to have lunch and she got to go in the living room and play and then she got to do this and that. And um, my midwife just came along for the ride and she was completely fine with it. So it just felt like a great fit. So um, yeah, so she was a different midwife than the last time. Very cool. I love that. I love everything that yeah. you said, you know, that what appealed to you and what what you knew was going to work for you. And I love that you used the word comfy. I think that's great. Why can't we put that now in the vernacular that's associated with things birth and care providers? Like, I think that would change a lot of mindsets and paradigms around birth if that was like inserted in there. <laughs> yeah, no. And that, and it is, um, And aside from that, like she had a wealth of knowledge. I could tell right away. She had years of experience in the um, birthing world and she has five kids of her own, both hospital and home birth experiences, including VBAC, um, which I didn't have a C-section, but it's just, it, it was like she, she not only has seen everything, but she's kind of done almost everything too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. And she was about 20 minutes away from my house. Um, and she was, I could just see that she was all about empowering me to do what was best for me. When I asked her a couple of questions about testing or ultrasounds or emergencies, you know, I kind of went through the whole rigmarole of questions that I might ask. Um, she had an answer for every one of them. Um, but she, she was not, um, like I was talking more than she was. She was listening. She was sitting there. She was taking in everything that I was saying and her responses were just all about like empowering me. So if I didn't want to do something during pregnancy, she said, you know, that's your choice. It's your body. Um, I can provide a recommendation if you'd like one, but if you want to do what you feel it's best for you, then that's what you should do. And I just really, I really like enjoyed that part of it because I felt like, um, felt like, you know, it was really my journey. That's awesome. I love that. So you had a, a new midwife. Was there anything else different that you did to prepare, uh, for this, you know, during this pregnancy to prepare for birth than from Harley? Um, yes. So I wanted all the tools possible for labor. So I ordered the birth pool from my midwife and then Alex and I took a pregnancy course. Um, I just wanted to make sure that any possible tool that could be used during labor when things got difficult, I would kind of have on hand. Um, and that's really the only thing that I did differently. Um, because during my birth with Harley, 
um, I transferred to the hospital. And I think if I might have had some of the other tools on hand, they could have helped. I don't know if, you know, the outcome of things would have been different in terms of deciding to transfer to the hospital just because the labor was so long, but I didn't know. So I knew this time, let's have every tool possible. And then I also had multiple discussions with my midwife about um, Harley's birth and what I wanted for this birth. And I just made it clear to her, you know, the only reason that I want to go to the hospital is for an emergency. And so because everyone had that at the back of their mind, we were, we were just constantly thinking of different things that we could have at the house to use for labor as, as tools. And what, uh, what birth course did you use? I used, oh, sorry. I hear a little cry. Hopefully she's okay. My mom has her, but no worries. Um, the birth course that I used was um, by Kristen Burgess um, from Natural Birth and Baby Care. Um, I don't remember the exact name of the course, but if you look up Kristen Burgess, Kristen with a K, and then it's B-U-R-G-E-S-S, she has a podcast and a pregnancy course, and then actually multiple other resources that you can buy, uh, handouts, um, and a couple other courses. Um, And I think, honestly, I, I enjoyed the course, but I do feel like a lot of the information wasn't new to me. So it was a good refresher, but, um, I honestly just think, you know, labor and birth, it's just, it is what it is. So for me, just having different tools on hand and then going with the flow of whatever came up, um, you know what I mean? Like I can try to plan and prepare for all the different elements, but I'm not really going to know how it's going to go until I'm in it. Mm. And that's kind of how I felt with when I was pregnant with Harley. And when I told my other midwives that, um, they gave me a lot of pushback. They were like, you need to take a pregnancy course. Like you need to take something where you and Alex can go together and sit down and take a course. And I wasn't opposed to it, but I, I kind of just felt like it just didn't resonate with me because I, I had done what I felt like I needed to do to prepare. So I read books, I listened to podcasts. I, I went online, looked up different things, but you know, you can't really control how, how things go. You just, you have to go with the flow and go with it and work with it, work Mm -hmm. with your labor. And so that's kind of what my inclination was before I went into Harley's labor and birth. And then after I had Harley, because I had chosen to transfer to the hospital, even though I wasn't upset about how things uh, turned out and I felt like I had a really healthy labor and birth, um, I had in the back of my mind, like, should I have listened to them? Should I have gone to that course? And then this time around, I took the course because I was like, maybe I should have taken that last time. And then I just felt like everything in the course was not new to me because I had done so much research and reading and watching videos on my own. Um, and, and so that was just me, but, mm-hmm. um, 
for a first time mom, I definitely think it could be helpful. I, I enjoyed the course. Um, and it's a great course. Cool. And we, uh, I was actually able to find it and we'll put links to it in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. So for anybody out there who is interested, uh, there's going to be links yeah. and they can check it out for themselves. Yes. And if for anyone who feels like they don't have a ton of information about um, pregnancy and birth, it, it, it can be a great resource. So why don't we fast forward a little bit to birthing time or maybe right up into until it and what was going on or, you know, when you realized labor was starting, you know, that sort of time frame. Okay, so... With Harley, I had her at almost 38 weeks. Mm. And so because I was early, I assumed I would be earlier with Laurel. Um, and that's what everyone had told me. <laughs> and so in my mind, I was like, well, I need to be ready at like 37 weeks. So fast forward a little bit. I was 41 weeks and three days when I had Laurel. And so it was like, I mean, time had passed. I was just like this baby's never coming out. <laughs> I'm just going to be pregnant forever. You know, the typical mom thing where you're overdue and you're like, I'm going to be pregnant forever. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, I'm very committed to doing things naturally though. And so I had met talks with my midwife about it and we really decided it was best to not do anything drastic until, your past 41 weeks, not drastic, but try to get things going if they're not ready to get going. So, um, at 41 weeks, my midwife came over and she gave me the homeopathic versions of black and blue cohosh, mm. um, which, and then she also gave me the herbal and a liquid form, um, versions of black and blue cohosh. So, Homeopathy, um, it's very diluted um, herbal formula. That's the best way I know how to describe it. Um, so she said, try this first, and it can start to help things get going. Because after 41 weeks, I didn't realize this. I thought that it was at 42 weeks. But after 41 weeks, the risks for mom and baby do go up significantly. Um, and so she said, we just want to get things going. If your body's ready, she would have let me go to 42 weeks, no problem. But, um, but she said, let's just try to get things going, especially because she knew that I wanted things to start. Mm -hmm. She was comfortable with giving me those. So I took the homeopathy and you, you put it in your, you can put it in your water to start. That's what she had said to me. And then typically you will put homeopathy or the homeopathic tablets under your tongue. I don't know if you guys are familiar with homeopathy. I'm not. So feel free, um, you know, assume we know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So they are, they are little white balls. That's what they look like. And you put them under your tongue and they dissolve and they taste like sugar. That's a typical way to take them. Of mm. uh, what I, what I know. And then she told me just starting off, put a couple in your water and then drink your water throughout the day. And then after that, put you can use them under your tongue. So right when I put the tablets in my water, I immediately started to have very mild contractions. So this is on 
Friday when she came over. Um, so I had mild contractions, but then I went to bed Friday, went to bed Saturday. You know, I just kind of kept having them, but they were not anything that was picking up. So Sunday, um, my contractions were getting stronger, but I was in such a state of denial throughout the entire day on Sunday because I had such a long labor with Harley that I thought, you know, my labor may be just along with Laurel. And um, just to backtrack a little bit, my midwife and I had many, many discussions about how long my labor was going to be. And I told her that my ultimate goal was to be at home as long as there's no emergency. Um, And I loved that she kept telling me, you know, second babies come in at least half the time of the first baby. But at the same time, I've listened to birth stories where the mom had just (laughs) as long or even longer a labor with the second baby. And so also I, with my labor with Harley, um, I totally pumped myself up. I was like, this is going to be no longer than 12 hours. Um, You know, my body knows what to do. And when I, I felt like that was the right thing to do, to be super positive about it. And that's how I felt. I was like, this is a natural process. And, and it is, I just, I didn't prepare for how long it was going to be. And so I didn't have those tools on hand this time. I did have the tools on hand, but, I wasn't completely convinced that pumping myself up for a shorter labor was the right thing to do. I felt like for me, it was better to think, okay, from the time that it starts to get really heavy, let's just think it's going to be 27 hours again and then just be surprised if it's not. So we had had those discussions. And when I started having the contractions, I just figured, you know, it's going to be a while. Let's Let's not get too excited about this. So I didn't tell anybody. I didn't really do anything. And my midwife did say to me, please do call me before things get too heavy or I might not make it. Like if you're in a state of denial, it's better to just text me and say, hey, something might be happening. So I did text her and say, like, I'm having some mild contractions after the homeopathy. But I also said, it's nothing, you know, it's probably nothing. I'm just telling you that so that you don't go out of state or something like that. Um, So Sunday, I was having the mild contractions. Still went on about my day, though. I wasn't stopping for the contractions. I wasn't, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with them. I was making food for Harley. We went and bought a grill. We sat out on the porch for lunch and Skyped with Alex's mom and dad. We did all the regular stuff that we would do on a Sunday. So we'll, we don't buy a grill every Sunday, but we were, we were doing that. I was like, let's do what we planned on doing. So anyways, um, so that night things started to pick up a little bit after we put Harley to bed around seven, but it was still okay. So I told Alex, let's just watch a funny movie to just get my mind off of this because these are probably going to slow down just like they have the past two nights just kind of go away and dissipate. So we sat down 
And then around 10 o'clock, um, Alex went up to bed after the movie and just felt like maybe he should get some rest just in case something did happen. And I stayed downstairs and laid down on the guest bed and just called my midwife. This is around 10. Um, and I told her, it's probably nothing, but I also feel like if I, 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 I started to feel kind of frustrated because I didn't want to go through another night of just waking up in the morning without a baby because now I was past the 41 week mark. I was already pretty, I was like feeling like I was never going to have the baby because Harley had been born early. And she said, I know that you feel anxious about it, but if you do go into labor, it's best for you to go to bed and get some rest right now. I know you know that, but I'm just reinforcing, mm-hmm. like, if this is labor, you're going to want the rest. So just try to go upstairs and go to bed. So I did that. And then um, things started to get pretty heavy uh, when I went upstairs, maybe around 1030. So from like 1030 to 12, Alex was doing back pressure in bed. And after that, I texted my midwife. I said, like, I think things are getting pretty heavy. So, you know, we'll talk in a little while. And actually, I don't even remember if I talked to her between midnight and the time that she came over, which was about 3.30, I think. Um, so I, I told her, like, should we start filling up the birth pool? Like, how long is it going to take to fill up the birth pool? And she was like, well, I don't know. She seemed kind of wishy-washy about it because she didn't want me to get in the birth pool before things got very strong because she didn't want labor to be slowed down. So I was like, I don't know. I feel like things are getting pretty serious. Can he fill up the birth pool? And she's like, don't get in it, but he can fill up the birth pool. So Alex left me. And at that point, I felt like I needed him because now we're going into like one, two o'clock in the morning and things were getting pretty heavy. So he leaves and I can hear him. He's supposed to be hooking a hose up to the shower head. I guess you take the shower head off, you hook the hose up, and then it's going to go into our bedroom, into the birth pool to fill it up. Hmm. Well, I heard him. He sounded pretty frustrated in the bathroom. (laughs) And he was supposed to have done this as a trial beforehand and I just trusted I didn't want to be over his shoulder bugging him so I just trusted that he had done that well little did I know he was having some trouble in the bathroom with that and he ended up hooking the hose up to the sink which I feel like is like wouldn't it take forever to fill the birth pool up but I was in labor land so I had no idea yeah but I could hear him frustrated so I'm on my hands and knees in the bath in the bedroom like trying to get through it without the back pressure and he's in there like on the struggle bus which you know I I could hear him but I was totally kind of in my own zone at that point so I knew that he was struggling so I went downstairs my midwife got there around 3 30 and she just sat down at the dining room table and I had told her um, going into the bathroom and sitting on the toilet for the contractions feels really good, which I was kind of surprised about because I could not sit down on the toilet when I was having contractions um, in my labor with Harley. I felt like that was completely uncomfortable and I felt so out of control. 
but I felt pretty in control when I was sitting on the toilet for the contractions for this labor. So every time I would have a contraction, I would go into the bathroom, I would sit on the toilet, and I would just think, open, 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 over and over. And I would say it, and I would moan, and it really, really helped me. I felt myself opening up. I felt myself dilating when I would do that. And so it was awesome. Like I could feel myself making progress and it was such a stark difference from the last labor because the last labor, I, I just felt out of control and the contractions were coming very fast. So this was just such a different experience. And I was just so excited. Like I, I felt in control. So, um, after every contraction, I would go back out into the dining room and talk to my midwife and she was just kind of sitting at the table doing some paperwork. And she said, I'd like to um, hear the baby's heartbeat in between contractions, but it looks like you're going to have another contraction. So why don't you go back into the bathroom? And then once you're done, we'll try to feel the baby's heartbeat. So I went back in there and before she could even um, hear the baby's heartbeat, I just started yelling, something's coming out. (laughs) Comes running into the bathroom and she looks in the toilet and she's like, okay, that's great. That's your water bag. So my water Mm -hmm. hadn't broken yet. Um, And so she's like, that's awesome. She's like, let me go grab a Chuck's pad. And I had been saying, I really need to get into the birth pool. I really, really need to get in the birth pool. And so she said, this is great. You can get in the birth pool. Let me just get a chucks pad and we'll put it in between your legs while we walk up the stairs and in case your water breaks and then you can hop into the birth pool. So I was so excited about that because I felt like it was getting really hard and I needed one of my tools that I had in place. And so I was excited that I had that tool. It was ready for me. I was like, this is going to be great. Well, come to find out the birth pool. I felt like being in the birth pool didn't really change the sensation of labor for me. And I had heard that people are like in love with the birth pool. Like Sarah, you use the birth pool, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you find that it was an amazing thing for you? I absolutely loved it. And I I totally hear though, that it's not that way for some women or they're like super amped about it. And then when they get in, they're like, not really. Or sometimes even more averse. It's not even just a neutral thing. It's like, nope, Mm. doesn't work. Not for me. So no, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't (laughs) like that, but I, but it was kind of, it was kind of like the, "Mm, not really like, Oh, I thought this was going to be a lot different, Mm -hmm. but I had it. We had set it up. So I was like, whatever. I wasn't averse to it. So I'm like, all right, I'll just stay in here. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone that it wasn't really helping with anything, but I just tried to kind of go with it and use it because we had it and I was using it and it was taking up a lot of room in the bedroom. So (laughs) I was already up here. So let's just stay in it. So I stayed in the birth pool and Alex sat on the outside of the birth pool. We have this couch in our bedroom. I'm actually sitting on right now. And he sat there and he just held my hands and I just put my face and my hands into his hands and just tried to breathe. And, you know, my midwife, Genji, didn't she didn't check me, but I don't know how she knew that Laurel was face up, Hmm. but she said, I think because I was having a lot of back labor, she said, I think the baby is face up. So 
if you want, you can hop out of the birth pool for a couple contractions and lay on your bed on your side with my peanut ball and then turn over onto the other side and that will help her um, turn face down. Mm. Um, so I said, if that's going to help this labor go quicker, then let's do it. Mm-hmm. So, and it hadn't been, it hadn't been very long. I think things got pretty serious between like 10 and 12. And then I actually had Laurel at 601. So the whole labor wasn't long, but I still wanted to keep things moving, mm-hmm. keep labor progressing because it had been one of my fears, but that it may not. Right. So she said, okay, let's lay on the bed. Let's see if we can get her to turn around. Um, which is like a normal thing. A lot of babies are face up. I don't know if you guys like are familiar. A lot of babies are face up mm. and then they turn during labor to the mm. face down. Yeah. And I knew that. So I was like, okay, this is good. So I got into the birth school and Genji said, my midwife, Genji, she said, do you want to go try to pee before, before we lay on the bed? And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. Empty my bladder, make the most room yeah. for her. <laughs> and I didn't know it was a girl, but make the most room for the baby to come out. So I went into the bathroom, I sat down on the toilet and this is the first time this happened, but I just roared. I just started, I sounded like a lion. It was so primal. Mm. It was unbelievable. Um, because before that I had been pretty quiet because I was hardly sleeping and I wanted to keep her sleeping. So I had been pretty quiet while just doing like the low moans. Well, once I got into the bathroom, I was just pushing and it wasn't anything that I was doing. Hmm. So Genji and Alex came running into the bathroom and Genji looked at me and she goes, do you want to have your baby on the toilet? And I didn't answer her at first. I'm like, uh, she's like, do you want to have your baby on the toilet or the birth pool? <laughs> I was like, I don't know in the birth pool. So both Genji and Alex like grabbed each of my arms and ran me over to the birth pool basically threw me in the birth pool (laughs) like I was just like it was everything was just happening Mm. so threw me in there and boom I just started I was just pushed out her head it was just it just happened within minutes all of a sudden and it was amazing but I didn't even have time to feel like the ring of fire because there was no you know I just I thought I was going to be doing this gentle breathing I was just going to breathe the baby out and here they are I'm just like a lion in my bedroom just roaring her out and she's just coming out and I've heard that about second babies before but in the moment I was just it was I was just in it so um so I pushed her head out and then it was a few minutes before I had another contraction to push her body out, but she did not have time to turn. That girl came out face up <laughs> and it was just wild. Um, and she came out in the water and she was so calm. She was just looking at me and I didn't know whether it was a girl or boy. And I looked down and I was like, Alex, we have another girl. It's a girl. And I just couldn't believe it. And it was 6.01 a.m. And literally a minute later, Harley woke up and Alex went to get her and came into our bedroom with her. She woke up like at the exact Mm. time that Laurel was born. And she was just, she was in shock herself because all of a sudden there was just this baby in there. (laughs) And I was like, Harley, it's a baby. And she's like, baby sister. And it was just so sweet. 
Um, and it all just happened so fast, just all of a sudden. Um, and so then a few minutes later, I just kind of, I pushed the placenta out. I really didn't have, um, a contraction to push it out, like a pushing contraction. So actually one thing I didn't know is some of the contractions, once you start pushing, not all of the contractions are pushing contractions. Mm. I didn't realize that. I thought that once I started pushing and, you know, finished pushing the placenta out, like every contraction that came was going to be a contraction to push something out. Um, and for Laurel's body, I, I had a, I had a couple contractions that went by where it wasn't a contraction to push. It was just a contraction. And so I was kind of confused in the moment. Like I said to Genji, do I need to, do I need to push her body out or can her head stay out under the water? And she's like, no, you don't have to push her body out yet. Um, cause it hadn't been that much time mm-hmm. and she was obviously still connected to the umbilical cord. Um, so with her body, I kind of just wanted her to come out. So I started doing like little pushes, even though I didn't have a pushing contraction to get her body to come out, but I definitely could have waited. And looking back, I feel like if I had known that I could have waited and just hadn't been like still in labor land, I would have waited. Um, and then with the placenta, I knew that that kind of didn't matter. So I just pushed the placenta out and, Laurel stayed connected to the placenta for like an hour and a half. Mm. Um, we just laid in my bed and nursed and my, and that she just stayed connected to the placenta until Alex was ready to cut the cord. And, and that was great. Um, yeah. So wow. that was crazy. Uh-huh. That's amazing. That's so cool. So it was great. Feelings. It was amazing. <laughs> when, uh, when, oh baby, my gosh. when baby Laurel came out in the water, um, did, did you catch her? Did your midwife, Alex, like what, what happened in that moment? Yeah. So I was on my knees faced out towards Alex. And so, because, um, I was, I was kind of, she came out like behind me. So my midwife caught her and then passed her through to us. Wow. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it just it just kind of worked out the way it worked out. I think it kind of goes along with the whole. I I didn't make plans for this labor, but for Carly's labor, I did. I made all these plans like this is how I wanted to go, and then it just happened the way it happened. This time, I just I didn't make any plans. It just went the way it went. So we didn't like Alice and I both said to my midwife like, yeah, if Alice is in the position to catch her that would be great. Um, but if not, it's okay. Because at that point, like, like I said before, my midwife was like part of our family. And so whatever happened was just wonderful as long yeah. as our midwife was with us. Hmm. And, and so it was great. So Genji caught her and, and she passed her over to me and there we were a family for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I think it's so interesting is I-, I had no idea that, um, when giving birth in a pool, like the baby comes out and, you know, her head, like Laurel's head was just there. And you asked, can yeah. she stay there like that? And Genji was like, yeah, she right. can just hang out. I, I've always thought that. I've always wondered, like, how long can they stay? Yeah. Can they stay there underwater? Right. And I don't, and I don't know the answer to that question, but I agree. I also was wondering, like, 
I know that she she's breathing through the umbilical cord, but I just wondered, like, how long is it going to be before her body comes out? Am I going to need to stand up so yeah. that her head can be out of the water or what? Um, and that's like part of the reason why I felt like, okay, let's just get her body out. But I think as long as she's still attached to the umbilical cord um, and it's within a reasonable amount of time, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's all incredible. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah. You're incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It so, was a very cool experience. It sounds like it. And it's just so amazing how we're always reminded of this on the show, but just how birth to birth is so different for the same woman yeah. and then across women and then all the experiences, just the variations are really endless as far as how yeah. it all goes down. <laughs> and then I'm sure yeah. there's been some differences in the immediate postpartum. Um, would you care to share a few bits on that, on how you've been processing this experience, maybe differently from your first one? Yeah, definitely. I I felt very different in my postpartum experience and I didn't expect to because obviously I didn't have, you know, anything to compare it to beforehand, but, um, or having the, I didn't have the experience of going from one baby to two beforehand. So this time, um, I really felt like I needed to rest after I gave birth. Um, I did have a little tear because I guess if your baby comes out face up, it's like having a one to two pound heavier baby come out. So Laurel well, weighed nice. eight three. <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she weighed eight three at birth. So that means that having her be born face up meant a nine, three or 10, three baby passing through the birth canal. So I did have a little tear. Um, and Genji said, I, I don't need to have a stitch, but I could have a stitch if I want to get out of bed after the first week, um, and walk up and down the stairs, then having a stitch is a good insurance policy. And I actually had, two other midwives there as well. So Genji always brings a backup midwife and then she will sometimes bring a student midwife. And mm -hmm. so that's what happened. I had um, Kara, who was the other midwife and Sarah, who was Genji's student midwife there. And all three of them said, cause I really wanted to know their opinion in the moment because I didn't have any stitches with Harley when she was born. Um, so I said, like, do, what do you guys think? Do you think I should have a stitch or not? And they basically just said, like, based on your personality and how active you are, mm. it might be good to have a stitch so that you feel like you can get up and move around and you're not worried about keeping your legs together. Right. Because no matter what Genji said, first week, you need to lay in bed and keep your legs together. And then um, after that, if you don't have the stitch, you really need to also stay in bed for the second week. So if you feel like you want to get up and move around, um, let's have a stitch. So I did. And because of that, I knew I needed to just rest. I was very, very, um, it was very important to me that I got back to normal in terms of my body or my new normal as soon as possible. And so Genji just explained there's a certain period during your postpartum where your body is 
focused on healing. And if you miss that window of time, then it can take months or even years longer to recuperate from birth. And so because of that, I really wanted to follow everything that she advised. And so I really did rest a lot. I was, whenever I wasn't doing something after that first week and after the first two weeks, I was in bed resting and, and sleeping. And I hadn't done that with Harley at all. And I didn't feel like I needed to do that as much. Um, but, but having my second baby, my body did feel a lot different. Um, and I, and I did feel like I needed to rest. And so I really like honored that time and took that time to do that. And I wish that I had done that with Harley, but since I didn't have any babies before that, I just, I didn't, I just got up and got back to my normal routine. Um, you know, you with just don't baby, know. but yeah. you just don't know. Yeah. So this time I did know, and I took all the help that I could get and I would, you know, call my mom and say, I need to vacuum the house right now, but I'm not allowed to vacuum the house. So can you come over and vacuum the house? And um, I, yeah, I accepted people bringing meals and accepted people coming over and helping with Harley until we figured out what our routine was and what our new schedule was. And then um, also like when I had had Harley, I just, I just figured out how to do everything myself in case Alex wasn't able to get home from work to help me with bedtime, I kind of figured out we developed our routine for what we would do if it was just the two of us. And so I really got into that. And then when I had a second baby, I realized like I'm only one person. And a lot of that, what I did before is just not possible anymore because I only have two hands. I'm only one person and I have two different kids with two different set of needs and so I now just accept all the help that I can get pretty much whenever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. And yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And people should do that with their first baby too. Right. I can Absolutely. definitely understand how you might not know that you need that until you actually need it. Right. So you don't need to wait for second baby to learn the lessons of second baby life. Hear them right. from mamas like Taya right. right here, right now and start applying them. Mama's preparing for their <laughs> <Yeah>. first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taya, thank you so much for being here again yeah. and just sharing more of your life, your experiences, your family with us. I'm so grateful. And I know so many mamas out there are as well. Um, you're just the best. And I love you. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. Your podcast is awesome. And just you are awesome people. And I'm so glad to be here and share my story. I hope I didn't forget any details. But if anyone has any questions and wants to reach out to me i'm happy to share my experience absolutely awesome. yeah, yeah. And we'll include links to your first episode some of the resources that you dropped and then you know ways that people can do that as well because this has become such an awesome loving tight-knit community of mamas and families that i fully encourage all of you connecting with each other finding each other whether it's through you know our facebook group instagram whatever and just be supports to one another yeah mm. awesome awesome well, thank you so much taya Thank you, guys. Quick 
note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.